0: Align Your Practice podcast with Dr. Cliff Fisher, where your best practice and life awaits you. Are you tired of running a practice on your own? We want to come alongside you with experts to help you create your dream
1: practice and your dream life. Here is your host.
0: All right, Tribe. Welcome back. Align Your Practice with Dr. Cliff and Adam Carroll. Brought to you by Align Life, where we want to give you the tools to find and create your Align Life. Today, we're gonna to be talking about debt snowball versus debt avalanche, choosing the right strategy. And I put that choosing the right strategy, but I don't know if it's there is a right or a wrong. It's just like what fits and what works and what's gonna inspire you to create the right habits. And so, um, I mean, here again, like I said with Adam, And it's just been, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, go back. If you want to understand finances, if you want to create a budget, go back to last time. Here's how to create a budget, create a rhythm in that. Understand the psychology behind it, because most of us know what to do. We're just not doing it. So we need to create that why bigger than the why not. And so, Adam, I can't wait to hear your thoughts and insights on the snowball and debt avalanche, um, because I think it'll be a new concept for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's what's kind of crazy to me, because I've been in this world for 20 years that it is a new concept. And and I have to remind myself that like, Oh, this is not something that everyone knows what yeah. it is and how to do it. Um, I, I'm going to start off as I have on some of the other episodes with a story too, Cliff, because when my wife and I were newly married facing all the debts that we had accrued during college, most of them mine. And she told <laughs> me straight up, like you had a lot of fun collecting all these debts. I didn't. So <laughs> this is on you, pal. Um, but in the moment, uh, we were living in Denver, Colorado. We were in our twenties. We had the it was the you know dual income, no kids, the DINK lifestyle, and we got to do all sorts of fun stuff. We were going to Avs games and Colorado Rockies. We had season tickets there, and we were doing all the fun stuff, right? But she, as I mentioned in a previous episode, she was working a night shift as a nurse, and when she left the house, I would just start reading because the first week I was watching. Um, uh reality television I just felt myself getting dumber by the day <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I've got to change this so I started reading money books and I was listening to the radio one day as I was driving around at work and there was an ad by a guy named John commuta. and he was selling this book called Debt Free uh Debt Free and Prosperous Living and I was so intrigued by the ad I ordered the book and it was uh, like a self-published book for $47 or something and got the book sent to me. This would have been like internet marketing before interne- the internet marketing yeah. days. And uh, so I get the book, I'm, I immediately dig into it, and I'm introduced to this concept of the debt snowball. And the debt snowball is basically that when you're paying off your debts, you pay off the debts in order from lowest balance to highest balance. Okay. And every time you pay one off, you pay the minimum payment on everything except for the one you're going after. And it was kind of an eye-opening thing for me because as I'm sure many of your listeners have been prone to do, and and what I was taught to do growing up was, oh, I'm just going to send a little bit extra on all my debts. Yep. So I'll send, you know, if I have $300 extra this month, I'm going to send 50 here and 75 here and 75 here and 50 here. And we think we're doing what's beneficial by doing that, right? Yeah. But in reality, a couple of things are going down. Number one. Whoever you're paying that money to, the, de- the the person you're indebted to, or the group, they get to choose how that money is applied. So some of them may apply that money to future payments. And in the case of student loans, if you're sending an extra and it's not 100% clarified that that money is principal payment, they'll say, cool, appreciate your extra. Now you don't owe a payment for another month and a half or two months or six months. Okay. And what they're doing is they're effectively taking your money in and applying it to future payments instead of applying it to principal so that they can continue earning interest on the amount of money that you owe, right? That makes sense. So when I learned about the debt snowball, I learned about John Commuta, we did one thing and we, we, which I highly encourage everyone to do. We made a list, a spreadsheet of all of our debts, minimum payments, interest rates, monthly amounts, and we printed it out and put it on our refrigerator. And every time we made a big lump sum payment, we would cross out whatever the last number was, we would write in the new balance, and we would continue on. When we paid off one of the debts, we would put a big red line through that debt that we had taken care of. We'd celebrate, and our method of celebration at the time was we'd buy a $10 bottle of wine instead of $3 bottle of wine. (laughs) But we would celebrate and then we'd move on. And what happened was in 24 months, my wife and I, uh, on two incomes, obviously, we blasted away about $55,000 worth of debt on not crazy income, but just being very diligent about using the the debt snowball method. Okay. And when I learned that and I started teaching other people about it, you know, obviously the most eye-opening thing is you really have to specify where your payments are going. Don't trust that you sending money into your mortgage company or you sending money into Sally Mae is going to go directly where you think it's going to go yep. because they, they will control where that goes first, if not directed to. And generally, it will go to whatever makes them the most amount of money.
0: Gotcha. And so you always want, like, if you're making extra payments, you always want that to go towards the principal. You do. Okay. Yep.
1: In, in this model, this method when you're making extra payments it should always go to principal because we're we're trying to shorten the amortization table or the length of time that you're paying on it yep. and the only way to do that really is to to apply that towards principal payments
0: and so what were the things you put on the fridge i just want to double click on that list so if you guys are listening to this you might want to stop and just write these down but so what was the list you put on the fridge so
1: so the list on the fridge was the debt the name of the debt so it might be student loan credit card car loan you know, consumer debt okay, and double clicking into student loans. You know, what, what often happens, Cliff, is someone's not just going to have one student loan. They're going to have a student loan for every semester they've been in school. So if you've, if you went through your undergrad and then you went through chiropractic college, you know, you're at what, eight, uh, 14 semesters, maybe more. Yeah, at least it'd be 16 semesters. Yep. Um, So every semester, there could be another loan that's tied to that semester. Now, if you've consolidated, that would be one loan. But if if you left them as is, which quite often I encourage people to do, because then we can go at them one by one and start knocking out those debts individually. Um, But you would list everything. So the name of the debt, the interest rate, the minimum payment, and what we're sending in. So if, if we're sending in a larger than normal lump sum that month, we would put in whatever that number is. And the key to the snowball is that every other debt that you're paying off is getting the minimum payment. Okay. And, and anything extra you have goes to the one loan that you're trying, you're, you're going after to pay off in short order.
0: And so in that, so do you,
1: is there an order in the snowball? The snowball itself, if you're following along, um, is the lowest balance to the highest balance. Okay. So it, you know if you're if you've got an eight hundred dollar credit card debt, and that's the lowest balance loan, that's the one you're paying off first. Okay. So if you've got three hundred extra dollars that you're putting somewhere, and you've been putting fifty here and seventy five here, it's going to take you a long time to get knock that eight hundred dollars down. But if you have three hundred extra, and you've already been sending you know, 50 bucks, that's $350 going towards your credit card and you're going to have it knocked out in two and a half months. Okay. And then the 50 that you had been sending as a minimum payment now becomes 350 that rolls up to your car loan, let's say. Yeah. And you've got $4,000 left on your car loan. Well, 350 into 4000 is going to take you about 10 and a half months to yeah. knock it out. And let's say that your car payment was $250. Well now you've got $600 if you're tracking with the math. Yeah. It's going to the next highest debt which might be a student loan. And we can knock out a $3,000 or $5,000 student loan in 8 months, you know, using that money. Right. So this this is how we progress along the process to get it knocked out. Um so I'll pause there. What what questions are coming to mind for you?
0: So the one question, I don't know if I'm premature because I know next time we're talking about building emergency fund and saving for the future. But so part of me is like, so when you're doing this, sna- the debt snowball or the debt avalanche, do you are you still at the same time saving for or doing savings or like what's your process in that? Do you still save that 10 percent minimum or what's your thought? Yeah. On
1: that? yeah th- so this this is a, a great question. It's a very personal question because I think some people we talked about habit in Mm -hmm. episode two. And the habit of saving, once that's ingrained, I think you're always going to put away 10%. It's always going to be, it's either it's building your emergency savings, or it's going towards investing for the future. If you've already built the emergency savings. Yeah. And candidly, what I tell people usually is, I want you to build a save, save account. And the save, save account You know, most people have a savings account, but what they really have is a put and take account because they put a little bit in, take a little bit out, put a little (laughs) bit in, take a little bit out. That's a put and take account. A save, save account is one where money goes in and it doesn't come back out again unless it's a verifiable emergency. Okay. And if you've identified how much you need in that save, save account to make you sleep well at night, like we talked about last session. Yeah. if, If you or you and a significant other agree, we need... 5 grand or we need 10 grand over there to to really feel safe and secure. Then let's grow to a point where that amount of money is there or be building to that point while you're doing the snowball or the avalanche. But then once it hits that number, the habit's still ingrained. Now that shifts to money that's either used to invest for the future or blast away debt, what okay. we would call putting it in the shred tool, which we'll talk about in a future episode. Um so so in answer to your question, yes, I think okay. we're still putting money away. Okay. The reason I say it's personal is if if that 5 or 10 grand is in the save save account and you are just hellbent on getting the debts paid off, yeah. then it may make sense to take that 10% and apply it towards the debt repayment just to get there faster. And
0: especially if you're paying interest on that, when you're talking about interest before on the debt, like if you're paying interest, like if you're paying that off fast, you're getting a guaranteed between seven and whatever, 29%. And like you're getting that on your money if you're paying that down, if you've already have have that
1: emergency fund taken care of. Indeed. And I think that is what is missed quite often is people will say, well, yeah, but shouldn't I have money in the market or shouldn't I have this? Should not I have that? (laughs) It is a guaranteed return to pay off debt. Yeah that that does cost you money it's costing you money every year to pay the interest that it would not otherwise if you have that paid off um and i think sometimes that's a bit of a misnomer yes people are looking at well should i pay off debt or should i invest right your advisors are going to tell your financial advisors are going to say well you invest you need to have money in the market right (laughs) and it's i often say this about college professors and financial advisors it's hard to prove so- it's it's hard for someone to say they're wrong when their very job depends on them being right. Yes. Yeah, so they they're not going to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, go do this" cuz I don't make any money on that. Right. Um, and at the university level, yeah, you should get more education cuz that's how I get paid. <laughs> that's right. Yeah,
0: and so one of the questions that got brought up to me before was like um like I've had two different conversations around this, but like so if let's say we got down to the the house was the debt, like I feel like that's yep. people's kind of their last big one, maybe student loan could be that one. But if the house is the debt, is it better to make extra payments on that house to lower that? Or is it better to put like, let's say we're gonna double our payment? So we had a thousand dollar payment and another thousand dollar payment, is it better to pay $2,000 towards the house debt there? Or is it better to, Save that, put that other thousand into it like a save, save account, not like a put and take. I totally get that. Yeah. And then have that money available if there was something that came up or an opportunity that came up um, to use that money. Um, but if you saved it over 15 years, you'd have enough to be able to kind of write a check to pay off your house. Yeah. You? And I don't know if this is appropriate here, if this is later.
1: It's definitely a shred method question. Okay. Um, and I love talking through this. I mean, this is like high level strategy stuff for most people that they don't really think about. Okay. Because the majority of folks, Cliff, for what it's worth here, just as a qualifier, the majority of people, all they know to pay their house off faster is bi weekly mortgage payments. Okay. Or s- send an extra payment at the end of every year, you know? <laughs> and while that will speed it up, you'll take a 30 year down to a 22 year mortgage. There are way faster ways of doing it. And, and the shred method is is like three to seven years for most people is how fast they can have a mortgage knocked out okay again going back to the advisor question advisors may say that's dumb you should have money in the market it should be growing etc i would argue that i could make a case for why you would do it because your liquidity expands tremendously okay meaning that if if in your example if you had an extra thousand dollars I might recommend that we are putting it towards the mortgage, but at the same time, we have a line of credit that's available to us because as you pay off your mortgage, the mortgage itself is like a one-way street. Money goes in, but money doesn't come back out again. Right. And the only way to get money out of your home, if you're paying on a mortgage, is either sell your home or do a cash-out refinance. But a home equity line of credit is like having a checkbook against the the value or equity that you have in your home. And that becomes a liquidity tool for most people that they don't really realize. And so that's why in the shred method, why we talk about paying off that all debts, but that debt especially, is we're getting to a point where we wanna have the liquidity. We wanna pay the least amount of interest possible. But once we have that liquidity, now we can drop 10 or 20 or 50 grand at a time into investments that actually make good money got you and that's that's what we're after so you know circling back to the the snowball versus avalanche conversation both will actually accomplish the same result whether you're using the snowball or the avalanche you're blasting away your debt at a quick pace to get to a point of debt freedom usually what we end up doing if we're talking about snowball or avalanche with people is we're saying this is what you would use to pay off your car, your student loans, your credit cards, your consumer loans. And then if someone's to that point, we start introducing the shred method because you can knock out a mortgage in no time flat using that Okay. for a very specific reason. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell everybody the the avalanche model dif- differs from the snowball model in that with the avalanche, you're going after the highest interest debt first as opposed to the lowest balance first. And for what it's worth, the majority of time, the math works out that the debt avalanche is actually saving you more money. Okay. But the debt snowball makes you feel like you're accomplishing more faster. Okay. So say that one more time. I just don't want our listeners to miss it if they're driving like. Yeah, so So the, the debt avalanche method where you go after the highest interest rates first Generally speaking, will save you more money. It's it's going to be somewhat negligible. It might be hundreds of dollars, maybe a thousand dollars, but it's going to save you more money because you're going after the debts that are charging you the most in interest. But from a psychological perspective, the snowball method, where you're paying the lowest balances off first and moving up the chain, that actually is more psychologically satisfying <laughs> because you feel like you're making you're you're making headway. And for us, that's why you know, I told the story at the beginning of the show, we would cross out that debt in a big red magic marker because it was like, ah, look how awesome that is. We went from eight debts to seven, seven debts to six, six to five, five to four. By the time you get to your last one, I mean, it is like nirvana. As you know, you strike a check for 80 grand to pay off your student loan. Yeah, There's something magical about the moment. And I've had it on my home twice now. We've paid off our house twice in the last eight years. That's awesome. So we did it once. We re- redeployed the equity into investments and then blasted away again. Um, but when you write that last check, go in and make the final payment, and you walk out, you're like, there is a lot of freedom that comes along with that. I think you get the $20 bottle of wine at that point, right? When you pay off that. I might even go
0: $40. I don't <laughs> even
1: know what that is.
0: <laughs> I th- so that, it's super interesting because I, I think you're right. I think if if people are very disciplined and have good habits, the avalanche, you're going to save more money. But if you need those quick wins and just like get some things going. And now I'm thinking like the snowball, like snowball, like just kind of as it goes, it snowballs up and builds up. And I imagine that's where the name came from. But um,
1: like, it makes a lot of sense. It, it does. And the power of this like in the moment there is a lot of psychological satisfaction of knocking it all down <clears throat> i will tell all your listeners the the con of this is that debt payoff fatigue is real if you're going through the process of blasting away your debt cuz you just want to be free from it there is a point in time and usually it's you know 12 to 14 to 18 months in okay you're just like oh my gosh i just want to go get a really nice dinner i just really want to take a $3000 vacation <laughs> and, and what I'll tell you is it's perfectly okay to hit the pause button on the snowball or the avalanche, go treat yourself and start, a, you know, start right back into it the next month. But it, there will come a time where you see all of the progress and at some level, you just want to treat yourself. So that's the downside. That's the negative side of, of paying off the debt. I I don't, I have never ascribed to the beans and rice diet you know the, the dave dave ramsey will often say sell everything in your house to pay off your debt you know yeah. do it to the extent the kids think they're next that whole deal oh my gosh I, I don't i have never ascribed to that because uh it it feels limiting it feels like you're living in lack it feels painful and you know we're going to go through that but but your listeners are also higher higher income earning folks they have high ep right yeah and with that, let's live our life, but let's do it, you know, in, in a in a very moderated version um, where the money that we're making, we do have enough to put where we need to.
0: And, I, you know, and I, I want to go all the way back to our first episode, but I love what you said about do what it takes. For, and sorry, do what it takes for two years to have what or will you say that one? I'm so sorry. Yeah.
1: Do for two years what most people won't do. So you can do for the rest of your life what most people can't do. Yeah. Like And if there is debt hanging over you right now, you know, whether that's student loans, car loans, credit cards, et cetera, we, from my perspective, we would go after credit cards first, usually higher interest. We'd go after uh, any consumer debts that you may have. You know, people finance the strangest things, water softeners and <laughs> freaking hot tubs and that kind of thing. Cell phones. Like, don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> self, yeah. Finance cell phone. doesn't make any sense to me. So. One of the mindset shifts for me was I got away from the monthly payment model. Yeah, if I'm if I'm buying software and there's an annual fee for the software, I'm doing it every time, because I don't want monthly fees. I don't like monthly fees. Um, so as we're paying those off, if you have debts hanging over you and you want to knock those out for 24 months, imagine what can happen. That at the end of 24 months, if you walked away from all that debt repayment and you have three or four or five or 10 grand extra every month. What's possible at that point? Yeah. What kind of trips can you take? You know, what kind of car could you buy in three months or five months? That's, that's the kind of logic I started thinking about where I'm willing to sacrifice a few months of my life in order to have a month in Europe. You know what I yeah.
0: mean? Absolutely. I love that. And I think I love, I hadn't thought about the fatigue, but you're, that that's that's so spot on. And I think so often we just think deprived, deprived, deprived. But one of the things I really enjoyed about one of our first conversations was, you know, this is about how to get your cake and eat it too. Like, but it's not about doing it for an extended period of time. It's like working out, you can miss a workout here and there, but if you continue to miss your workout, then you'll get out of shape. And like, if you're like, cool. And you have a plan and you budget, you're like, okay, cool. Let's, take. And I think that's a nice thing. If you're, if we're going on a long road trip, my wife is like, we're going to stop here and we're going to stop here and we're going to stop here. So if if we know there's this 12 to 14 months, say, Hey, let's do this for a year and say, Hey, let's just celebrate. We'll put aside a little bit of our money and 300 bucks a month to take yep. a $3,000 vacation, um, 600 extra, just in case it costs more. I don't know how your vacations yep. are, but mine yep. are like a third more than I ever think they'll cost. And I'm totally. And so like kind of to budget that in, like have that part of the plan.
1: Yeah. I I think this is critical. Um, and your point about having your cake and eating it too. I, I I think you introduced me or we introduced this in one of the first two episodes, but it's about building a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Yeah. But the life choices are the things that really fire you up. It's travel, it's time with family. It's, you know, um, providing great service, uh, doing all the things that, that are energy for you. Yeah. Um, that's building a bigger life. The lifestyle is I drive a Range Rover and, you know, and I really pride myself on my, my Range Rover, despite the fact I have a $1,200 payment. Yeah. And I don't for the record. Um, (laughs) Don't have a $1,200 payment or a Range Rover. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. $1,200 payment or Range Rover in the nature of full disclosure, like you, I'm kind of a 10 year car guy. I, I almost always I'm more of like a seven year car guy. I buy cars that are always at least three years old. okay. I typically buy luxury cars. I like I like BMWs and Audis and I love a German car because just the way they're made and they sound very solid like a tank, you know yeah, but I'll find them that some sweet little old man or woman's driven barely that has like seven or eight thousand miles a year on okay and I pay I pay less for it. They last forever cause they've been driven softly and I know how, how I drive. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, when it comes time and they reach about 180, 90, a hundred thousand miles, I'm like, okay, it's time. I'm going to move on. Um, but that's my methodology around vehicles. And I, everyone has a different strategy around that, but I think getting really clear about whatever your strategy is, is, is important. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think pick your problems. Cause like I, I'm like the 10 year car guy. so. I've had like four or five cars my whole life. My brother is like a flavor of the month. Like I think I stopped tracking 10 years ago and he was over 40 cars and oh he's my gosh. seven years younger than I am. And I'm like, so I always tell my kids, I'm like, if, you, if you're going to buy a car, you get the oil change, you take care of it. You do that. Cause I want it to last 10 years. If you're going to have it for a year, who cares? Do whatever you want. Like, yeah. you don't even need to change the oil if you are only have it for a year. <laughs> yeah, right? No doubt. <laughs> and, no doubt. And I think this debt snowball, this, uh, or the snowball and the avalanche, there are two approaches to a, a, like, a we want to play the long game. So we want to begin with the end in mind and like, look at our life and and be conscious instead of unconscious. Most of our population is unconscious about how they're living. And we really need Shit. to shift the consciousness of your choices now will are, and you said it about architecting the life. So I think that's, again, like. So many of these things, as you go through this, it'll just piece together, and this whole thing's building up to the space of, you know, giving you the tools. But we can't just give you the tools; it's like giving me, you know, something to work on my car. Like I would, I would have no idea what to do with it. Yeah, you know, and so, and I think,
1: yeah, you, you're, um, your are comment about all this building upon each other and and growing is is a hundred percent accurate. I think. Based on last uh, the last episode we did, which is all about budgeting, I want to add one comment because some people may be left questioning, well, okay, you've told me what the avalanche and the snowball are. How do I actually do this? What is the what's the the logistics of this? You know, we said in the last episode, 10% really is the, the habitual savings number. Um, and I mentioned a book, The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson. Yeah. He said 10 10, 10% of all you make is yours to keep. Meaning that if 10% of what you make is set aside first and you let that grow, whether that be in an emergency fund, the save save account, or it goes into an investment of some kind, habitually that needs to happen no matter what, right? Yep. If you're if you're wondering how do I then include the debt snowball or debt avalanche in a payoff process, imagine this. If you can eke out another 10%. So let's say someone makes Whatever it is, six grand, seven grand a month. Okay. Ten. Okay. I think the I saw the average uh, chiropractor salary is somewhere around eighty thousand. Yep. Right. So if it's eighty thousand dollars, that would be uh, what seventy two fifty. My math is right. Yeah. That wouldn't be right. Eighty. Is that right?
0: I think it's. Cl- oh no, it's 66, 6, sixty roughly. six. Sorry. Sixty six hundred roughly.
1: 6600 six hundred. Okay. So if ten percent, and we're going to take pre tax numbers here, but if if six hundred and sixty dollars goes to savings. You're building a a savings account fairly rapidly at that level, right? Yep. 660 goes to your debt snowball or debt avalanche payment. And if you can't do 10%, if that feels like a stretch, do 5%. Yeah. If 5% feels like a stretch, do 3%. But some amount of money extra every month goes on top of what you're normally paying to create that snowball payment. And that's going to be locked in on your budget because once... Once the debts are paid off and you have all that extra discretionary income, you've already lived on less for the last 24 months, let's say. Yep. Now you've got all this surplus and maybe you've been putting off investing for a while. Well, now you can do a couple of catch-up payments that are going to get you right where you should have been You know, over the last 24 months while you're doing the debt reduction. So this goes back to the comment, do for two years what most people won't do so you can do for the rest of your life what most people can't. Imagine having two or three or four or five or $10,000 a month that is just free cash flow. Do whatever you want with it. And ideally, it's used to build your, your future lifestyle. That is entirely possible and well within your grasp in the next 24 to 36 months.
0: Yeah. And I think cash flow is King. And that will be kind of what we're talking about. So next time we'll be talking more, like we'll talk about building that emergency fund saving for the future. Cause I think sometimes like one of my things with a lot of financial people is they talk about like, Oh, let's save for the future, let's save for the future, but they don't enjoy right now. And so, and that's where I think I really connected with you. And you talk about this money needs to do those four things for us
1: and having fun is one of them. The four hour work week was the book for me that changed everything book by Tim Ferriss. Yep. And you've talked about mini retirements. Yeah. That we all need many retirements throughout our life. The the thought of oh, I'm gonna work hard for 40 years of my life to retire on one third of what I couldn't get on by get on, you know, in the first place, and then take a, a vacation while I'm older and decrepit. No, yeah. I don't want to do that. my wife and I have figured out we want to take long, extended, long, slow travel vacations every year, year and a half, two years take our kids if they want to go with us and go experience life while we're mobile and can have fun and have money and want to do all the things we want to do. We're going to do that as much as possible. And I think people can build in the whole mini retirement philosophy into their business Yeah, um, and thrive in the midst of it. Yep. Actually do better than they would if they were, oh my gosh, I just need a weekend or I just need, right. you know, no, thanks.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I think I know for me, one of the places my wife and I went, like I was wanting every you know, quarter to get away for a weekend and she's like, I just can't do it. So then we just said, "Okay, let's do it for a night. Let's just go away for a night. We both agreed on that. And then it did turn into a year later, it turned into now we go Thursday through Sunday. Once a quarter, we go somewhere. We just her and I and we get to date and be together and, you know, have no adult responsibility except for each other.
1: That's amazing
0: and so i'm with you on that like you know take these times to enjoy right now because you know one we never know how long we're on the planet we don't know when god's bringing us home and two like i've seen too many people and doctors you guys have seen them in your clinic where you know they're like if i'd known i was going to live this long i would have taken better care of myself or they're like they're always talking about this vacation they're going to take you know like do it now save for it now create a plan because the reason is, is, you know, if, if you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. And I forget who said that, but that's a, you yeah. Know.
1: on that note, there's, um, there's a philosophy that was taught to me by a uh, software engineer I met at a conference years ago. Um, And he, he basically said that uh, he, he had sold his business for like $14 million yeah. and then invested in a bunch of real estate and was doing property management. And I was sitting next to him at this conference, super intrigued by his story. And I said, can I buy you lunch today? I want to pick your brain. Yeah. And we sit down and he said, what do you want to know? And I said, I want to know everything candidly. (laughs) He goes, well, let me ask you a question. Why do you work? And I said, well, I work for money and I, everybody needs money to live. And he said, yeah, but okay. So let's assume you had financial freedom that you have, you have all the money you need. You still, you're still working because you want to but you have all the money. What, what does the money give you? What would you do if you had the money? And I said, oh gosh, I would spend time with people that I wanted to spend time with, <laughs> right? And he said, so he, he shared with me this idea of the four legacies. And these are the legacies we leave future generations. The first legacy is, is money freedom, is financial freedom. And we're all working towards that at some level. It's defined differently for different people, but most of us are working towards that. We work towards that because money freedom gives us time freedom. Because then when we have money, we can spend time doing what we want to do with who we want to do it, et cetera. And he said, so you would spend time doing things or spending time with people? And I said, yeah. He goes, so people is a main part of that. I said, yes. He goes, so that's relationship freedom. Time freedom leads to relationship freedom. Because when you have time, you spend it with people you want to spend it with, not those you have to spend it with. And relationship freedom, he said, leads to service freedom, which is the ability to serve people in whatever capacity you choose. Um, now, I heard uh, another speaker say, and I'm, I'm mixing these two messages, but another speaker I heard one time say, we were not put on this earth to be employed. We were put on this earth to be deployed. Ugh. And when you figure out your deployment, it is all service freedom. Like what I do is never work because I just feel like I was deployed here to help people think bigger and change their money habits and you know build a bigger life so that they can invest in their families and friends and relationships and
0: all of that. It's so funny. Um I'm I'm trying to just bring up cuz I'm like I'm, um but it talks about the mex the Mexican the executive who went to Mexico on a fishing trip. Did you ever hear that one? Yes, yes. So like and I'm trying cause I created a whole PowerPoint cause I'm like so many people don't get it, but, um, I'll just wing the story. But like the story was like this executive goes down there and this, um, fisherman comes in and you know, he has enough fish for him and his family. And the executive was like, Oh my gosh, you have such a great thing. He goes, why don't you fish more to make more? Or he goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to go be with my family, take a siesta and you know, drink and be merry and play music. And then they started going down the, the loophole of this of like, um, Well, if you caught more fish, then you could make more money and spend more time. And then it basically looped back around to, okay, if I did all that, what would I get? He goes, well, then you'd be able to go be with your family take a siesta with your wife and do all that. Like, again, begin with the end in mind, but do it along the way. And I think sometimes we get, we get so caught up in the rat race and we're like so close to the rock faces. We're climbing this wall of life that we don't take a look and see what's going on in the world. So we miss it.
1: So um, yeah I love that story. Um candidly that I mean that that vision that's what we're all after too, right? Right? What do you want to do? Have a siesta in the afternoon, spend time with my family, play music.
0: Yeah, like well, it's so funny, yeah. but it's so true. And so yeah, it was the parable of the Mexican fisherman and the investment banker. And so he's the, the he says So the parable was I sleep late, I fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, stroll into the village um, each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full, busy life, senor. And then the guy goes, Oh, sorry. Maybe I'll share. He goes, I'm an investment banker, Ivy League. I could help you. You could spend more time fishing with the bigger proceeds to buy a bigger boat, with the bigger proceeds to buy several boats, to eventually have a whole fleet of boats. Instead of selling your catch to the middleman, you could sell directly to the processor, eventually opening up your own cannery where you can control the product processing and distribution. And of course, you'd need to leave this small coastal village and move to Mexico City where you could run your growing enterprise. But Senor, how long would this take? The American replied, 15 to 20 years. He says, then what? He goes, the best part, then when it's time, the um and is is right you would announce an ipo and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich so you could make millions and then he says then what um he says to which investment well then you could retire and you could move to a small coastal village where you could sleep (laughs) late fish a little play with your kids take a siesta with your wife stroll in the village and play the guitar so i think sometimes we miss it and that's why i think this part's so crucial and having those awkward conversations is, is going to create a life because just like we see with people with their health is they end up in our office after they've been broken for, you know, 10, 20 years wanting to get fixed. And I'm like, man, you've been broken for 15. This is going to take us some time. And so like Adam sharing like two to three years, you can change the whole trajectory of your life and you get to pick when you do it. You can do it at the end when, you know, you can't do very much about it and you've lived a different life or you could do it at the beginning and live the life of your dreams. And that's why I'm so committed to this um, this time with you Adam
1: yeah, I love it man this 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 is such important information for people to get um and and candidly it 's really important for people in their twenties and thirties to get yeah right because th- these are not complex ideas, but they 're often ideas that we learn through time tested hard fought battles you know yep um and everyone needs to hear this at a at a young age to maybe avoid some of the things that that they would normally do and have to learn from in order to get where they want to go sooner. Um, I, one last thought I have for this cliff, and I know you, you've got a, an appointment to run to. Um, and it is this, that there's an idea known as an, as a, um, an exercise age. Have you heard of this? No. So your exercise age, someone who was, who is a power lifter told me this. I said, how long have you been working out? And she goes, well, my exercise age is five. And I said, I don't know what that means. And she said, for five years consistently, I've been doing this. So I, if I started when I was zero, uh, I'm five years old now in terms of the consistency in, of, of my work. And I think there is a budgeting age. And, and I, my budgeting age is 25. You know, for for 25 years, I've been working towards this. And I, it's probably not even 25 because there were a couple of years maybe I didn't do what I was <laughs> supposed to. But but we all have these budgeting ages, exercise age, fitness age. I mean, you said you'd rather get a wellness client than someone who's chronically sick yeah. and in pain yeah. um, it, because they've been doing the right things. They've been stretching. They've been exercising. They have a strong core, et cetera, et cetera. The same is true of our money. The longer we do this and keep those habits positive, the healthier we become long term. Yeah. And um, and so if you start now, decide to start now and, and let's move forward and don't forget about what happened before. Don't lament that. Just look forward at what's what's to come and, you know, set the habits and continue. As
0: you were saying that, Adam, I just my thought process is this is a space to lean in and just commit. And I love what you said. Don't judge how you were before. Just say, hey, today's a new day. Today's day one, not one day of my life. And so, yep this is an opportunity where you can say, okay, cool. I'm done with that. I'm going to make different choices. And if I can do over the next two to three years, I can have a different life for myself, my family, the legacy I leave. Um, Because once you conquer the debt thing, then the rest of the stuff becomes easy. So the emergency fund, the saving for the future, the different lifestyle, all those things become possible versus improbable the other way.
1: You nailed it. People will say, how do you live? And I go, living's pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I tell my kids all the time, when you make hard choices, life is easy. When you make easy choices, life is hard. Amen. So... Yeah, such valuable stuff, Cliff. Thank you for having me on today again. Yeah,
0: thanks again for your genius, Adam. You guys, I know these are going long, but we just we want you guys to have everything because this is the foundation for you to build the life of your dreams. If you don't have like most of our dreams need finances, and so if you don't have this foundation, and I think it's just an incredible opportunity. So, thanks. Um next time we're going to be talking about um building an emergency fund, saving for the future, and then we'll start to get into the shred method and start to dive into that. And um I'm super excited, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, Adam. For opportunities to build your dream practice presented by Dr. Fisher, reach out to Align Life Centers for Natural Health at alignlifeopportunity.com.